This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. Even though a majority of the music industry has shifted over to streaming, there are still plenty of music fans that want to listen to their favorite musician on a CD. But the CDs that many people have been buying online aren't necessarily, uh, the, the funds, I should say, aren't necessarily going to the music industry, including the artists and the record labels. Recently, the American Association of Independent Music warned indie label members of a rash of Chinese pirates selling CDs on Amazon. And this is at a time where CD sales still account for about 40% of a $15 billion global industry each and every year. To discuss the problem, we are joined by Penn Law Professor Polk Wagner here in the studio and Eric Priest, who's an associate professor at the University of Oregon Law School. Polk, it's been too long. Great to see you again. Always good to be here. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Eric, great to have you joining us on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Uh, even though a majority of this problem seemingly is coming from overseas, it, it, Eric, it's an issue that the U.S. has to address even further, is it not? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, in the U.S., you just mentioned the global retail of uh, CDs. A lot of people think that we've now moved to a completely sort of online download or online streaming music business. But in fact, um, in 2015, uh, CD sales accounted for almost 30 percent of the recording industry revenue in the United States. So this is still a huge business. It's it's still a $2 billion business. And, and um, so what you're talking about is, you know, sort of prevalent online uh, counterfeit CD sales. Uh, that not only hurts the music industry, um, but it also hurts consumers, of course, because these people are buying CDs online because often they think it's better quality than right. what you can get through a download. I know I certainly buy CDs online still because I'm a bit of an audiophile and um, and I prefer the quality of CDs. Um, and um, but also it affects the online retailers like Amazon or eBay um, and others where these uh, where these pirated CDs appear because consumers really believe that they're getting they're going to these sources because they're a uh, getting legitimate products um, that are higher quality but also uh, that they're supporting artists so this this is actually something that uh, that really matters in the US so I guess Polk that I mean we're talking about a problem in to a degree much like hacking that is is coming from a lot of outside agents is a majority of this problem coming from outside the U.S. or is outside of obviously Amazon being part of the selling process? Is there an element to this still happening here in the United States? Well, there probably is. I mean, I think what you've certainly read about and, and what was specifically discussed um, in the inside the industry these days is um, you know the so-called Chinese piracy, right? And I think that that. Um, it probably has a, a significant amount of truth to it, in part because um, the Chinese economy has become extremely efficient at doing this type of thing, right? right. Taking products that are that are made and and making you know high quality 
um, but not quite the same uh, imitations of those and selling them and their distribution networks are always getting better. The transportation networks are getting better. Places like Amazon are getting better at, at, um, at you know, making it seamless for consumers to get these sorts of products. And because those efficiencies have been um, worked through over the last several years, then you're going to see, of course, you know, that, that the uh, ability and ease of, of selling counterfeit goods on places like Amazon and eBay is, is going to only increase. I'm sure there are still counterfeit operations going on in the United States. I mean, right. it is still quite easy um, to uh, to create a counterfeit um, CD. You know, it's, it, these are digital copies. You make basically the same copy. Now, doing it really well, having all the, the booklet and the, and the CD jewel case and those sorts of things be I- identically the same as what's sold in the stores can be right. complex and takes uh, skill. But in terms of sort of the basic piracy, this is not anything that's difficult. And I think what you're going to see is is the industry continues to shift um, as uh, as they as they um, you know adapt to the changing technology towards streaming um, uh, as the as the distribution method of choice. But in terms of the problems with the with the licensing of the, uh, of music and the and the the profits that that come from this music, we have to be talking about well into the millions of dollars of lost revenue for the musicians and and for, you know, all of the people behind the scenes that are, you know, that are losing out on revenue because of these pirated CDs. Sure. I think that this is, you know, I think that there's a lot of debate about exactly how much this costs. Um, And certainly lost sales are lost sales. Now, whether that ultimately um, is our sales that are lost um, that wouldn't have been sold anyway is unclear. Right. right? So there's a lot to it. Um, There's also a school of thought that that says something along the lines of these sales of CDs often uh, generate business in other ways, right? People listen to CDs and then they want to go to the concert or they buy merchandise or whatever. So there are other ways that right. artists get is paid as well. So it's not quite so simple as saying a lost sale is is um, is a direct loss. But certainly this is not good. Um, and you know I think you're going to see a further acceleration of the industry out of necessity as well as out of choice and convenience moving towards different kinds of distribution technologies than, you know, the the really old school. I mean, Amazon has perfected sort of the old school distribution sure. network, right? Yeah. It's, it's so easy now to buy physical goods from Amazon. They Their delivery system works really well, and so people really like that. But it is still, at the end of the day, old school, and I think you're going to see increasing move towards uh, the digitization of distribution. Is that what you expect to see from Amazon, uh, Eric? Because I guess part of this is maybe linked to just the fact that it is that old school distribution network that is, in part, you know, kind of a, a bit of the issue in this process. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, you've, you've already seen Amazon, um, like other online platforms, Apple, Etc. For years, moving toward uh, more digital distribution, uh, both have moved not only to digital downloads but now to digital streaming, um, as Polk mentioned. So, yeah. uh, so there's no doubt that this is um, that that's the trend, and that consumption habits are changing uh, uh, rapidly uh, to the point where you know the the number of of physical sales, CD sales. Uh, is dropping markedly every year. Having said that, again, um, there I think for for quite a long time will continue to be 
um, a market for CDs, and it will eventually end up as a niche market. Um, but there are, again, people who, who just prefer uh, to have the physical product for, for various reasons, whether it's quality, whether it's sort of, uh, you know, having the, the kind of tangible product in hand. Um, and so when people say uh, that, you know, this is not that, you know, this isn't as big of a deal um, uh, because we're moving toward uh, a digital, uh, sort of an all-digital consumption economy. I think that's right. We are moving in that direction. Um, but as um, as you mentioned at the beginning of the broadcast, uh, this is still um, 40% of the kind of global sales. So, um, so uh, uh, the U.S. and some countries have moved more rapidly toward the digital consumption models than the physical models. So, um, so you know, I think that it's it uh, it continues to be a significant source of revenue. I think the other the other piece of it is that um, that the revenue that's actually derived currently from streaming, um, which is now taking over as you know, certainly in the U.S. and some countries as the predominant music consumption model for um, uh, uh, or music consumption platform is uh, is not paying out the kinds of royalties and the kinds of revenues that um, that the old CD sale model was and there are, there are lots of reasons for that uh, one is that uh, the streaming model tends to be uh, ad revenue based um, and so while it's difficult to pirate, um, and so you don't really have the piracy issues. Uh, it's just not generating all that much revenue, and that's why you've seen many high-profile artists come out and say, you know, they, they demand uh, higher streaming revenues from sites like Pandora and Spotify. So, um, so you know, actually, CD sales still account for a, a fairly uh, hefty percentage of kind of global music industry revenues, despite the fact that we're sort of in a transitional period. So uh, I agree with all that, and I think one of the most interesting things to me about this phenomenon is even beyond sort of thinking about this in terms of losses to the music industry is uh, what it is revealing is some real challenges um, for these online retailers yeah. um, in terms of trying to figure out from their end what's going on uh, in terms of their site, right? I mean, the, so the, uh, you know, one of the news reports that's been around on this recently is that the RIAA, the Recording Industry Association of America, did a study uh, over the summer where they ordered a bunch of CDs yeah, yep. from Amazon, and they found a very substantial percentage of them, almost one in four were counterfeit, first of all. And second of all, it didn't seem to matter whether they were ordering them from Amazon itself or from one of Amazon's sort of partner distributors, right? Mm -hmm. So you might expect that Amazon is going to be less good at sort of policing what's happening at its partner distributors. Sure. But in fact, yeah. it turns out that Amazon itself has trouble figuring out whether the, the products that it's actually selling are counterfeit or not. And I think what you've seen is that what these online retailers have largely done um, over the last several years in terms of trying to ferret out product quality and uh, counterfeit is um, in some sense crowdsource it, right? They rely very heavily on ratings and reviews yeah. of customers to reveal when there are problems, mm -hmm. right? So returns, ratings, and reviews are sort of the way that Amazon and others um, deal with problems like counterfeit or just really bad quality or whatever. And I think you're seeing a serious breakdown of that 
um, approach, which is it's, you know, by all accounts, it seems like um, that Amazon ratings and reviews, um, as well as those on eBay and elsewhere, are are getting gamed. Um, right. You can pay people essentially to to write you know five star reviews or, sure, or whatever, yeah. or say they big problem with Yelp yeah. at times. And so you know this is this means that the the model that a lot of these retailers had for how to police it, which was to rely heavily on customers. Uh, and reviewers to uh, essentially police the things that were being distributed through the site um, appears to not be um, working anymore. And so that then uh, creates a choice for these companies. Is Amazon going to staff up and start actually reviewing um, their, uh, you know, in a much more systematic way to go in and try and figure out what the, um, what the way, uh, how these products get on the site? Or are they going to do something else, right? Are they going right. to, you know, do an entirely different method of trying to police their site? And so, to me, what's interesting is is even beyond the music industry is the if you sort of Google, you know, counterfeiting on Amazon, you see just an enormous problem beyond the copyright industry. You see it in almost every area sure, of, yeah. of technology um, and product that that there's this sort of raft of um, potential counterfeits that are in the system that are very difficult to figure out as a consumer whether you're buying the thing you really think you're buying or not. And obviously counterfeiting is something that uh, uh, has been a, a problem on obviously the music industry, but so many other pieces to the retail sector you know, for decades now. And it still hasn't been, into, obviously it hasn't been fixed totally in, in any way, shape, or form. So, I mean, a company like Amazon... You almost get the sense that while they're thinking about how they're approaching this problem with the music, they have to think in general about their entire operation as a company in terms of dealing with counterfeiting overall, correct? Sure. I mean, I think that you know one of the innovations that Amazon has brought to the industry is this you know incredible scale that they've got. You know, they've got. Um, yeah, distribution centers all over the place. They've got um, these partner opportunities where people can um, uh, be a, a distributor for Amazon or through Amazon. Yeah. So many different ways that they're trying to bring, to streamline, bring efficiencies to the distribution uh, approach. What they seem to have left out, or, or I'm sure they have thought about it, but it seems like it's less clear how they're going to fix it, is when you have that level of scale, when you have the, the thousands of different distribution channels coming into um, your thousands of different warehouses, how do you figure out whether things are authentic, right? And, and right. all of this in a you know, seamless, non-face-to-face, electronic, everybody only want to spend, wants to spend 10 seconds buying a product sure, yeah. um, sort of model, <laughs> you know, what do you do from the Amazon perspective? That's why I love when I download from iTunes. It only takes me about 10 seconds to get the song downloaded, sure. and, and, and I'm done with it. We're joined uh, here in the studio by Polk Wagner, Penn University of Pennsylvania law professor, Eric Priest, associate professor at the University of Oregon Law School. Your comments are welcome at 844 844- Wharton, 844-942-7866. Eric, then there is this this thing known as stream ripping, which is something I hadn't heard of before. Uh, And I guess, obviously, it just goes to, it is basically taking piracy to the next level, to the digital world. Uh, which is obviously something that I guess it's the next level that the music industry is going to have to worry about in general. 
Yeah, it's uh, stream ripping is um, is essentially where you use software to um, capture a digital stream, a, you know, a digital audio stream or digital video stream, often from YouTube. YouTube uh, uh, has been, uh, up until recently, the biggest sort of streamer of music. A lot of people think of Spotify um, as sort of the number one uh, streaming site, and I think now it is. But uh, up until recently, it was actually YouTube. That's where people were getting uh, most of their online um, music, uh, but YouTube, Pandora, Spotify, um, but these are all uh, uh, sites where you can you can essentially set up some software um, uh, on your computer that once you play a song on one of those sites or a video on YouTube, you just um, basically are able to record the song digitally onto your compu- computer and you keep it. And this is you know this is. Uh, 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 the, the music industry fears a substitute for a sale, right? Because you don't have to then download. Um, uh, the quality is probably not as good with a rip stream um, as it is uh, with a digital download or certainly with the CD purchase. But, um, but at the same time, many consumers don't care. And many of these uh, services like Tidal uh, is, is one. Uh, Deezer is another. These are all sort of some of the smaller online streaming services. They actually provide um, high-quality uh, 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 streams, so they have um, less compressed, better-quality streams. And, um, and those really um, do... I think act as a substitute if you're if you're ripping them they can act as a substitute to a uh, a sale but I wanted to um mention something going back to what Polk said about the online retailers um and Amazon and eBay uh uh Polk's right that this is you know this is actually a pretty um uh, important aspect of their business sort of the customer trust getting the um kind of the screening of products Right, and in fact, uh, these sites actually do do a fairly heavy amount of of screening. And while we're talking about these, you know, these sort of U.S.-based sites, it's important to recognize that there are other sites, um, especially uh, some of the sites owned by Alibaba, Taobao, um, uh, AliExpress, that have gotten into sort of. Um, much more hot water from brand owners and copyright owners for the sale and distribution of infringing works on those sites. And the volume of sales that those sites do and the volume of sales that Amazon does are just staggering, right? Amazon has something like 500 million products currently available. Um, Sites like uh, Taobao, which is uh, an Alibaba Chinese-based um, site, but it does global business. Um, they just recently this year had uh, a, a sale um, where they uh, they did sort of it's like a Black Friday type sale. It's called Singles Day sale in China. They did 18 billion U.S. dollars worth of sales yeah. in one day. Yep. Um, and and so you know. Um, Part of the problem is certainly on the, the front end for these sites. It's how do you screen uh, for, uh, for, you know, infringing or uh, potentially counterfeit goods, um, appear, you know, the, and, and try to screen them out. And certainly um, uh, uh, Amazon, eBay have, uh, have, have been fairly actually quite 
quite good at that. Um, but from when I speak to copyright owners and intellectual property owners, what I'm hearing is that uh, there's still kind of a lack of transparency about process. So sort of understanding what they're doing to do the screening, it's not all that clear what they do, and they don't communicate that well to brand owners, right. uh, which means that um, brand owners have difficulty helping them or, or copyright owners have difficulty help it, helping them figure out best practices. And I think that um, is also a problem in this industry. Yeah, I would agree with with Eric there. I think that, you know, that there's clearly a number of problems across um, a variety of these um, industries and different retailers. And, and certainly, you know, even to the extent that Amazon and eBay get their hands around the problem, there are, of course, you know, potentially even larger retailers and larger <laughs> issues looming uh, when you talk about the worldwide market. I mean, I think, again, this is a story that, you know, that I'm on, on this show a lot talking about, which is technology, you know, yeah. creates sort of a plate tectonics of the way that our... Um, the way that people uh, buy consumer goods. And this is just yet another example that I think that, you know, over time, I mean, certainly right now, it appears that it would not be a good option for um, a, a music um, creator to uh, cease distributing uh, CDs, um, given that it is still a very substantial percentage of worldwide sales. Um, on the other hand, that time will come at some point where the piracy issues, the um, uh, other challenges associated with um, physical goods become even larger. And then, of course, the, the pirates will turn to stream ripping, and we can expect the same uh, game of whack-a-mole that we see in, in all other areas of intellectual property to, to reemerge in that area. Right now, it seems pretty small. Um, certainly happens. People are, are doing it. I know that, you know, I talk to my students when I teach them intellectual property rights. It's amazing how much um, they do use uh, sites like YouTube to listen to music. Yeah. Um, it seems to me to be incredibly inconvenient and not I, very good quality. But I would think. They, I, I, I'm surprised by it. You know, that it's okay, and that may be a way that people are consuming music differently than they used to. They're no longer sort of um, uh, carefully uh, amassing, you know, a collection as much as they are much more casual about it. Um, right. And this is, you know, this is a changing industry dynamic as well, which is that that as um, technology changes, the habits and 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 likes of consumers are changing as well. Well, I, I guess to a degree, and uh, you know, as being as as old as I am at age fifty now, you know, you go back thirty uh, some odd years, and, and realistically, uh, something called MTV changed kind of the music industry and how people thought about music. You know, back thirty some odd years ago. So I guess this with YouTube is somewhat of a, of a similar version to what we saw with MTV and VH1 and some of these other, you know, uh, these TV networks back 30-odd 30, 30 years ago. Sure. I mean, you know, MTV changed the music industry. The iPod changed the music industry. The the advent of digital distribution, the iTunes Store changed the music industry. A yeah. lot of these things are going to change the, the music industry quite dramatically. I think that, you know, we are seeing... 
um, that the industry is going to have to figure out. If you're a creator of music, a creator of, frankly, any copyrighted content, you're going to yeah. have to be very attuned to the changes in technology as well as the habits of your consumers in order to stay half a step ahead of, of, of the pirates. Eric, how, how much do you think that going in the future, because of all these different changes that, that we've been talking about, and obviously more to come, that the people that are making the smartphones, the, the Apples, the, and obviously Apple, because they have you know their own music service, they have to be concerned about this, but you know Samsung and, and some of the other uh, smartphone makers will actually be on the forefront of this fight, or, or are they there already? Uh, you mean the fight uh, against, against against the pirates? Um, you know, I think that uh, uh, on the one hand, uh, Apple, for example, I mean to to talk about Apple first. Apple obviously uh, has a lot invested in this because they just you know they bought uh, Beats, uh, which is the headphone company, and the Beats Music. Uh, um, uh, service uh, in order to create their Apple Music service or make make that part of the, the the foundation of their Apple Music streaming service, and they invested billions in that acquisition, and they've invested uh, billions more in the development of that service, um, and they're pushing it out and trying to drive subscriber revenue, um, and so of course they're certainly at the forefront of this issue. Um, companies like, uh, again, Spotify, um, these streaming companies, you know, tech companies are certainly at the forefront of this issue. Um, and they see themselves really as, as the answer to piracy. They see them, you know, they see litigation not as being the answer to piracy because, um, because in effect, the Attempts to sue uh, individual infringers was not very successful for the recording industry in right. the U.S. Um, and so the idea has been let's provide consumers with more choice uh, at a lower price, right? Yep. And and more access at a lower price. Let's make it. Let's price the pirates out of the market. In effect, right. um, and that has been, I think, really the. Uh, the approach that's you know that attempt um, is you know and it seems to be well there's there's really conflicting data on on whether that's working or not some hmm. studies say that uh, that in fact that uh, piracy is being driven down although other traditional cash cows for the music industry are being driven down as well, right? So digital downloads, which were quite lucrative for the music industry, um, are, being, are, are dropping precipitously. Certainly CD sales are dropping as streaming sort of, you know, becomes the, the dominant form of music consumption. Um, but, uh, uh, but at the same time, they are also, um, some, I mean, some, some people are saying that, uh, that, that piracy is decreasing. Others are saying Saying that it's not, especially with stream ripping that you mentioned and that sort of thing. So it's still unclear. But I think that the, you know, where the, the music industry has certainly hitched their wagon is on this idea that we can make a, we can use business, um, sort of you know, innovative business models as a way to, to battle piracy. And that's going to be better than, uh, you know, any sort of um, further kind of 
uh, you, you know, making law and, and litigation the forefront of their strategy. I, I guess there is a, a, a level that these streaming services are being hurt by by all of this activity. Uh, maybe, I, I don't know if, if we know to the level uh, at, at this point. I mean, obviously, people make a decision as to whether or not they want to subscribe to a streaming service or not. Uh, Eric, so I guess this is one of those areas that, that we may need to have further investigation just to see how significant of a problem this is, especially for the streaming services, because these are seemingly the areas where more people now than just doing downloads are going to get their music. I think that's right, and I think part of the part of the problem that you're seeing is that while uh, companies like Spotify and Apple Music have been able to uh, to sort of trumpet. Um, um, pretty significant, you know, tens of millions of paying subscribers. Um, you know, the, the reality is that the numbers are still low. These companies, I mean, Spotify is still not a profitable company. Um, and so at current sort of subscriber levels, and the concern is that they're starting to plateau, mm-hmm. at current subscriber levels, it's unclear how, you know, how, how sustainable uh, the current streaming model is, um, and and that's I, I, that's certainly a worry for the music industry. Um, I think people still are bullish on streaming, um, but it's you know it's it's not clear that uh, that there's an economically viable future there. I think I think eventually there is, but you know you need to have paying subscribers. You need to have people paying into the system right. in order to make it work. And this is one of the reasons why artists and labels are still um, um, sort of very uh, uh, skeptical of the screen, streaming model, even though many of them want to see it take off. Right. Uh, right now, the revenues that it's producing for artists and even for the streaming companies are not sustainable in the long term. Paul? So I agree with that. I think that, you know, what the the lesson here is, is that, that you know, looking forward, we're going to have a lot of, of creative destruction, right? There's going to be a lot of new models that pop up, and we're going to yeah. see whether they work. And some of them work, some of them won't. Some of them may be viable, some of them won't be viable. I think that the lesson, of course, for the music industry is that whatever you do, you can't stand still because sure. everything's yeah. changing under your feet. Yeah. Uh, and if you wait, it's uh, your entire market could be gone. They're kind of like right in the same boat as the uh, as the TV industry right now. Can't... All of them in the same place. Yeah, exactly. Great to have yeah, you here. Yeah, absolutely. It's a time of disruption. Thanks, Eric. Great to have you joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. You got it, Paul. Great to see you again. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.